Today on Oxl FM, Gelada and I finish off our bumper three-part series of our Games of the Decade. Hello and welcome to the episode of Oxl FM. I'm Saffron. And I'm Gelada. And today we're finishing off our little three-part series of Games of the Decade. Mm. Um, so, so far we've gone through and done uh, 2010 all the way to 2015. Yep. Uh, and now we're going to have a little bit of a longer episode and we're going to finish it off with the last four games of the year. Bit of a bumper yep. episode for you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it was really interesting and a real challenge to like pick all of these games but yeah we've got one each for each year again i guess i can i'll kick things off Mm -hmm. um, with my choice for 2016 and that was stardew valley nice i think like it's such an interesting game because it's been i feel like it's been very influential it's a very indie darling um of the decades it has a really sort of interesting story as well in terms of its developments you know the fact that it was worked on for four years by one person essentially which for a game like stardew valley where there's a lot of stuff going on Mm. to sort of like manage to keep that balanced and to keep the like crafting and just the whole you know there's so many different things you can do but it all feels reasonably cohesive this game has a very similar sort of point in my mind in terms of its importance especially within the year of the gaming and the decade as a whole as undertale yeah very similar sort of like story of one person making basically a passion project Mm. and the benefits that come from that single man development team where you can take your time you can make it exactly how you want to make it and like you know that if if stardew valley was made with a team of people under like a publisher or something they wouldn't have had the time to make all those little details the little nuances Mm. you know add that little bit of character depth here and there to people would they yeah exactly and i sort of like i'm in two minds about the development of it because i know that like it was a very like stressful game to make in terms of like long hours, a very long time. It's sort of like a perfectionism that goes into taking four years to build a game like Stardew Valley. So it definitely paid off. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing for people to like use as a, as a source of inspiration. I'm not sure it should like, we, it should be an encouragement to people to spend four years, like 10 hours a day building a game. I mean, if you did literally spend 10 hours a day, like five or six days a week or something making it, then that's probably not a very efficient use of time. It's not very healthy. <laughs> it's not healthy. No, it's not great for you. But if, if it's something that's just a passion project that you do on the side of everything else in your life and you can manage that well, then it's great. But yeah. if it wasn't that, you know. Yeah, I feel like it was probably a troubled, I think it was a troubled development but the game that we got at the end mm. um is you know very well deserving you know being on the this sort of games of the decades i think that also like i mean we talked a lot about stardew valley all the way back in episode eight wow um a long time ago when we talked about life sims and like why are life sims so compelling and stuff like that and this is the interesting point of these games that we're talking about now is that we've covered a lot of these on the show already yes yeah we have indeed um and i think that it is just the perfect example of a perfect life sim. Uh, it's kind of like the best Harvest Moon game ever. I mean, basically. that's exactly what it is. It's Harvest Moon, you know, 10 out of 10. Like it's yeah. shined to perfection. 
And I think that what's also really great about it is that it's been continuously updated mm. since then. You know, it's almost a platform in the sense that you've got like multiplayer. Um, it's been released on Switch and, you know, across all consoles. You know, there's been content updates over time, even just recently. I think the last one was like December uh, last year. You know, so there's been loads of updates for it as well. Just even more increasing the scope even more. You know, there's just there's so much to do. And we were saying before we started recording, like I was trying to pick games based on my yearning to play them again mm. and stardew valley is definitely one where i regularly am like i really want to play stardew valley again <laughs> but i know that it's like that is such a dangerous time sink to like pick it up again like i've thought maybe i should get it on switch and play it on switch yeah but you won't play anything else otherwise yeah <laughs> because it is such a perfect fit on switch it is it is it's just so it's kind of that like i i keep it at arm's length so that i don't get sucked <laughs> in again into into the world of stardew valley i mean i didn't even play that far through it but i still spent a massive amount of time with it but you know there's so much more that i didn't see when i played it but yeah definitely um definitely one of my favorites and also like i have like a real interest and curiosity in games that have a lot of stuff in them like very like open games with lots of scope i'm always fascinated by dwarf fortress which mm. weirdly in my mind i like put in the same kind of bucket i can see in, in, it yeah. stardew valley even though they're very different games you know, like I've, I've never really got on that well with Dwarf Fortress, but I love it as a thing. Uh, and I'm looking forward to when that one day in like a thousand years comes out <laughs> as like a, like they're building, they're Full making like a premium, alone, yeah. yeah, premium version of it, uh, which hopefully will be, I mean, even if it's like slightly more accessible than the actual Dwarf Fortress, then that would be a start. <laughs> Well, that was actually one of the things that I think Stardew Valley did really well was its accessibility too. Yeah, like definitely. A lot of these sort of like small passion project games for one were made by one person or a few people, like oftentimes, and I think like 2016 was maybe a breakout year for this, was like the ability to get these sorts of games onto big platforms like yeah, Steam, like true. on, uh, later on obviously I know, but like on things like the Nintendo eShop and stuff like that. And it's not a problem to just pick up the game and play it's not buggy it's free of it's such a nice user mm. experience everything flows really nicely yeah it's actually interesting like looking at my entire list you know this is where like indie games start to come into my mm. my games of the decade whereas you know previously it, it, it wasn't and so it's actually that's actually a really good point that like this was at the at the time when like indie stuff it was starting to get easier and simpler for indie titles to get published across all platforms I mean, that's always, that has been a theme for the whole decade, but, but really the latter half of the decade really let indie titles shine alongside AAA across all, all platforms and not just PC. Which is wonderful because having indie games basically be as accessible, but also as promoted as yeah. big AAA games right it just gives you that so much larger variation of games to choose from rather Definitely. than having to go and like you know sift through endless amounts of like early access essentially shovelware style games on places right. like steam you know things like stardew valley they got their their due and their promotion the second it came out like it was a known mm. thing and it was as advertised as like any other game on 2016's list you know yeah absolutely um so yeah so Massive one for me. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing if there's any more stuff that comes out for Stardew Valley and like what is next um, as well. I know they're working on some other stuff, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely my top, my top 2016 game. Um, yeah, definitely. What about you? What was yours? For me, mine's kind of similar in the sense that like 
I don't know if this is maybe considered the best game of the year, but it's certainly one of the games that I spent the most amount of time on this year as well. Mm. Uh, and that was Civilization VI. Mm. It was a hard game to choose because there was quite a lot of strong games for me in 2016. Mm. But I went with this one because it's something that I've continuously gone back to over the years. Right. But in 2016 specifically, I spent a long time playing this game. Uh, it came out quite late in 2016. It came out in 20, uh, the 21st of October. Mm. It was made by Firaxis Games, the people yep. that make all the Civ games. It makes things like the XCOM series, etc., as we spoke, spoke about in previous episodes. And subsequently it's been released on like every single <laughs> every single console going yeah it's available on windows mac linux ios switch ps4 and xbox one crazy so, that it's on switch i don't think it does very well on switch though <laughs> no it's kind of like a stripped down like my first sim yeah. version like it's it's got actually really positive reviews on switch by switch users who okay. probably have never played a Civ game before so who aren't necessarily like where's this option you know how do i play this you know i think if you went to the switch version from playing it on pc i think you'd be like Mm. oh this is painful you Mm. know but i still i'm still glad it's on there to get more people to play the civ games yeah it was the newest mainline addition to the civ collection of games so before this there was um civilization beyond earth which wasn't sort of part of the main civ lineup as it were yeah but this was this was a very much the sequel to Civ Five, which was incredibly successful. Yes. The game was like a much simpler return to the Civ style of things. Like it it stripped away a lot of the possibly unnecessary, but possibly necessary, depends on how you look at it, complexity of four and five introduced. Reworked quite a lot of interesting different aspects of the game so that it was quite a different style of gameplay. You Obviously had to still like, the main thing I remember from Civ Six is like you have to like the buildings have to go on hex like tiles yeah, don't they? Exactly. rather than in five where you could they're all you just like added things into one city mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty much the biggest change for the most part of civ yeah. six was the inclusion of the districts so the districts would take up one hex uh within your city's sphere of influence didn't have to necessarily be adjacent to your city although generally speaking it was good to be because you get like bonuses and stuff but that added a lot more uh, strategy in terms of how you would build a city up because the cities could be specialized a lot more but you can't just build every district you can only build so many districts depending on your population and, and some other sort of smaller factors like what civ you were, were playing as for example right um, so if you wanted a city that was by the sea to be primarily about like commercial money making then you'd want to build like so the commercial district and the harbor and maybe like i don't know another like a wonder or something because the wonders worked in the same way in that they had to be yes. built on hexes as, as opposed yeah, to just being yeah. the city but the problem is is that building these hexes meant that if you wanted to do that you'd have to sort of build on top of air farmable resources basically right you know? so it's a trade-off of like do i have like this open field where i can have a farm or do i build like a banking district or a theater district or something yeah so it's, it's a very much a trade-off situation there's no sort of one perfect way of building a city um which added think- a lot more customization to the way in which you approach different mm. set sieves and the different land masses that you played on mm. do you think that Civilization Six is the best civilization game ever. Personally, no. I still think okay. Civ Five takes that one, yeah. just because I think Civ Five was the perfect culmination of the Civ experience up to that point, especially yeah. with the expansions later on. In the if you want the true Civ experience, I think that's the way to go. But I think Civ Six is the, absolutely the easiest game to get into. 
by well, a long agreed. way. I also think that it does some really interesting, cool things, which I don't think are bad, but I also don't think will return in Civ 7. I think Civ 7 will be a different game again. Um, I mean, that's part of like the, I can't remember where I, whether I watched a video or like read something about civilization where it was like, you know, like every, it's a different person working on each. Historically, it's like each game is like a different set of people working mm. on it. And so each time, like a different mechanic or like a new thing is brought to the series and that's like a they have like literally that's how the game is designed it's like you've got like the core stuff you've got stuff that's reused and then from a previous game and then stuff that's new is kind of like the the theory um so every time there is something that's changed but at the same time i kind of agree with you that like civ 5 is like the best civ for civ players in the sense that it's like it's got that long old school kind of pedigree to it and then six feels like the biggest kind of reboot of the game so far it'll be interesting to see what they do after this because yeah. all of civ 6s i assume at least anyway unless they drop another one all of civ 6s main expansions have now released and are fully yeah. available to use which is in typical civ fashion basically fixes the game and makes the game to what it probably was always supposed to be <laughs> so it will be interesting to see how they then decide to carry that over to the next civ game like you say so hmm. I'm really looking forward to it. And in 2016, I really, really enjoy playing uh, Civ Six. And one of the reasons for that as well is it was also the first Civ game that I was actively anticipating. Because right. like beforehand, like for Civ Four and Civ Five, I very much discovered and started playing far after the fact. So mm. I was like just jumping in at the deep end. Whereas this one, I was like reading up on it in advance. And I was following the uh, sort of the, the developers' notes and the release schedule, and right, yeah, you yeah. know. And I was like playing the game patch to patch, and then expansion to expansion. So I was getting a full experience. It was really great. Uh, yeah, and it was it was a game that I. That's why it's on my list here now because it was such a game of that formed my opinion of gaming in 2016 right um, nice the last thing i'd like to say about it, it was how wonderfully moddable it is because they did the oh, yeah. smart choice just like in civ 5 of making it full steam shop steam workshop yes accessible so you can mod it to your heart's content and you can change so much about the game it's wonderful nice um, my honorable mentions for 2016 were another game by Firaxis studios but i couldn't bring myself to put it over civ 6 and that was xcom 2 yep XCOM 2 wasn't quite as good as XCOM Enemy Unknown, in my opinion, but it was still fantastic. Hmm. Other one was Invisible Ink. Uh, yet another turn-based game. I think you're seeing a pattern here. Hmm. Um, another turn-based stealth strategy game, which was a really good, fun game to play. Uh, and although I didn't play it in 2016, which is why it's not on the list, and I've talked about it far too much already, but Persona 5 as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, 2016, what else for me, like... Yeah, Twilight Princess HD. That was 2016. Yeah, yeah. And I guess like not at the time, but now, like No Man's Sky is, is a big one. And of it's course, interesting, I, isn't it? Because you almost don't think of No Man's Sky as a 2016 release no. because it only really got properly good in like what 2018? No, right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And Overwatch as well. You know, I think that yeah. not necessarily for me personally, but Overwatch is a is a massive game and is a massive like piece of the PC gaming it and is. gaming. It deserves its credit. Now. Um, that yeah it's it's actually crazy to think that that was 2016 and mm. it's like that long ago um that overwatch came out but yeah uh cool so on to 2017 my 2017 game is a big game where 2016 i'm like there's not really like i really like stardew valley but 2016 was quite a light year for me from mm -hmm. a, from a video game release point of view but 2017 horizon zero dawn yeah for sure like absolutely incredible game you know it, it came out in february 2017 and there was also an expansion as well in November of that year. 
Uh, obviously, it's a PS4 exclusive, which is kind of a shame. I think like it's it's been a while now. I feel it like it'd be nice it, to see on PC. It would be nice to see it on PC. And we talked about it on uh, episode twenty nine. We talked about, because I'd been playing Zero Dawn at that point, uh, we talked quite a lot about the game engine, which is interesting because it's, you know, the game engine has been reused for other things. And it's like, it's such an incredible game engine. It's such an incredible game. And something I was thinking about is like, it's actually almost like glitch free, which for like a really expansive open world kind of game with a lot of stuff going on. It's actually pretty impressive when you compare to something like, I don't know any Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to retread what we said in that episode because I don't remember what we said in that episode. Yeah. But the Decimer engine is just utterly incredible. Like yeah. you can't... You, I don't think that can be stated enough how impressive that game engine is. Yeah. From not the biggest studio either. Like it's not a small studio by any yeah. means, but... Well, it's not, just Killzone, like, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, obviously they've got their chops, but it's not... You know, it isn't Bethesda. It's not Nintendo. It's yeah. not you know EA. It's a you know it's a B level size studio. If you know what I mean, it's like one down. And yeah. yet they created this amazing engine that just blew the socks off of us. Like, geez, yeah. absolutely. I think like there's just so much to like about Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm. The key thing is the combat. Uh, the combat is really really good you know when you're fighting these uh mechanical kind of post like robots that are kind of roaming the land and have gone gone feral if you like uh and they all have like little weaknesses uh which you don't really get told you just have to like work it out hmm. um, you make you feel very smart when you win against these yeah, things exactly uh, and th- the fact that you can also approach it from different angles too like you're not there's not just one way of yeah. taking these things down like yeah you can be sneaky you can be really aggressive you can be ranged you can be close you know you got the like override mechanic as well where you can like take yeah. control of the monsters um which is really cool and just like like the combat is really great and i think the second kind of pillar for horizon zero dawn is its world and mm. plot and the story you know it was genuinely an interesting um sort of plot and story which is unusual for a video game you know i think i remember saying at the time when we talked about it like it's actually a good storyline for like a storyline let yeah. alone for a video game where you know sometimes you give concessions for good stories in video games aren't always necessarily good stories on their own and i think with horizon zero dawn it presented a great twist on sort of post-apocalyptic environments and especially when you, you compare know, it to similar sort of games like fallout for example right exactly and the sort of the mystery in the plot that you kind of unearth over time and you go on this journey with aloy to sort of like uncovering the truth and finding things out and you can also see some of it yourself because you know that it's post-apocalyptic and so you've got an idea of of like what things are Hmm. but yeah just like a really really interesting world and i'm almost kind of there are rumors of a sequel i don't think anything has been announced off the top of my head it feels it's like it's such a good world and actually if there's one bad thing i have to say about horizon zero dawn it's that the dlc the frozen wilds expansion it was fine but like there was something about it that was just like you know what actually i sometimes think maybe this is a game that's best left alone and doesn't need a sequel and actually it will stand better to just be by itself Mm. as this you know wonderful game that was so cohesive and so complete um as a whole experience that i almost don't want to have that marked by another game and maybe i'll be maybe i'll be wrong maybe a sequel will come out and it'll be amazing but i mean very possibly 
but it's not like they're going to make a bad game by the by the sounds of it because they've got such a good track record. Of course. You know, you're pretty confident that they're going to do a good job. Yeah, very true. Um, but yeah, really, really love Horizon Zero Dawn. Absolutely my belongs on my games of the decade list. The one for 2017, um, for sure. Well, going from one console-exclusive, post-apocalyptic open-world game to another, uh, <laughs> my... I mean, there are the similarities are pretty huge, actually. Um, my game of 2017 is also maybe my game of all time as well um and that's breath of the wild legend of zelda breath mm, of the wild of course um oh, yeah there are a lot of similarities there, there really are, are aren't there? apocalyptic open world games that are exclusive to their system even some um, of the like design of like the like robe the like sort of mechanical things that are like yeah, kind of yeah. blue it's like there's actually quite a lot there there's a lot the of similarities then there but yeah breath of the wild i know i've gushed about this endlessly already on the show so i'm not going to go into as much detail this time around but it was released in march 3rd on 2017 it was developed by the nintendo epd division and it was available only on switch it almost certainly get ported to whatever the nintendo's next console will be because mm. it's it was the system seller like it was was it an actual launch title was it like very shortly after the launch of the switch i can't remember it was kind of very concurrent with the launch of the switch it's the launch right because it was on the wii u as well oh that's right yeah that's that's right and yeah it just it sold incredibly incredibly well for good reason like everyone was so hyped for it and it had been for such a long time because the the previous mainline zelda title at that point i think was still skyward sword yeah uh which although is is decent it certainly didn't have the same level of like appeal as some of the previous generation of games uh, mm. And this really was the breakout success for the Zelda series in this in this modern age, as it were. One of the things that I think works so well is that it's it's such a massive departure from the Zelda formula. Although you could argue it's actually a massive return to the Zelda formula, depending on which games you'd want to compare it to. <laughs> and I think people just lapped it up. They wanted this for so long, like an open world Zelda game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was just like there's a little bit of luck there's a little bit of planning and a little bit of like nintendo mastery there but it really was like the perfect timing for a zelda game like breath of the wild if that makes sense mm. like it's like this is exactly what people have wanted for a long time not to the point where they're so annoyed that they're like angry about it and like and it they actually delivered on it you know they delivered on that dream i guess of like an open world truly kind of like expansive zelda game which is as you say you know actually that's more zelda than some of the other newer games if you go back to like zelda one where it's you know you can complete stuff in any order um and and that kind of thing you know it's it's a lot more like that it's a lot more like zelda mm. one than it is i don't know ocarina of time yeah or ocarina of time <laughs> twilight princess etc and absolutely this is the reason this is so important to me as well other than it being just possibly one of the best games ever made from a more so, uh, subjective point of view the reason i love this game so much is it was the first zelda game i got truly invested in uh since wind waker uh, mm. because after that after wind waker i kind of dropped off the zelda bandwagon for a little while yeah so this one really grabbed me and kind of got me back into the world of hyrule with a really strong grip mm. um another reason why it was really important to me as well was that it was a very much a bridge game for getting my partner laura into video gaming mm, you know yeah. like she was aware of video games and she sort of played ones here and there but she certainly wasn't proficient in them and didn't really know much about them other than that and this was one that really helped to get the grips with playing games as like a, as a hobby as a pastime because mm. the game is so forgiving and is so open to any approach you know you don't have to do it in the 
quote unquote traditional gamer way of playing a game necessarily mm. you know she she did things differently to how i would have thought about them um and the controls and link is so like flexible that that can work so plus the fact that it's such a beautiful looking game helps as well um it's you know it's so pretty that that really helps because sometimes playing older games that maybe have the mechanics you want to teach a newer player even though for us it doesn't really bother us but like an older style of graphics you know that aren't quite as nice and polished do put people off sometimes yeah you know so having this beautiful game that also has these amazing mechanics was such a great introduction to the world of video gaming i think also what's great about breath of the wild is that the pace matches you yes. in a sense like from that point of view of it being a bridge game or sort of like an introductory game it makes a lot of sense because yeah, you're not forced down any path at any particular pace and so you can really just take your time and it doesn't matter how slowly you're getting through breath of the wild it's still enjoyable yeah you're always um, slowly growing even yeah. if it's not even if link doesn't get better you get a little yeah, bit better exactly and so it's a very good way of like yeah hooking you in and then you can just take your time and that's fine but also you, you can play it like as, as a seasoned gamer and just really like get through it and have a you know have a lot of fun playing it um it's interesting that it kind of works for both sort of in the same way that a lot of mmos do as well mm-hmm. like in that you can really take mmos at a very slow gentle pace and just do your own thing and get a lot of enjoyment out of it and i sort of see that mechanic in breath of the wild as well the the last the thing i wanted to praise breath of the wild for again <laughs> is how incredible its music is um mm. i know at release a lot of people were being quite critical of the music mm-hmm. because yep. it was like oh it's it's really quiet there's no music but i think honestly that's kind of the point like the game yeah. is so perfectly made for its music or its music is so perfectly yeah. made for it that the music just blends into the background that you don't even notice it half the time but it's it, if you don't have it on if you like mute your tv it it's really noticeable that it isn't there anymore mm. it's got very um, very good sound design for it's sure. perfect it's so amazing and it's so good that as well that the music is still one of my most like kind of listened to playlists on both youtube and spotify you know it just because mm. all the music is so iconic to the way you hear it first you know you can hear the different towns and villages and you can hear the battle mm. themes and it's just brilliant and, and i'll stop gushing now <laughs> um, honorable mentions for 2017 for me was was just impossibly difficult to pick honestly <laughs> the only reason breath of wild won out is just because it's that it's that important but yeah in terms of games of the year i mean these are honorable mentions i had to cut down to three as well but i could have had a whole episode about just these ones as well uh slay the spire uh, oh, was yeah. a game of 2017 technically uh even though it kind of had a full-on release in 2018 splatoon 2 Again, I mean, you know how much I love the Splatoon series. And Mass Effect Andromeda. Like, I know a lot of people didn't like Andromeda, but I really loved it and I really got into mm. it. So for me, like, it was a shame I couldn't talk about that more. I had a couple of also uh, strong games from 2017 that, you know, nearly made it onto my overall games of the decade list. Those two are Xenoblade Chronicles 2, mm-hmm. which I put so much time into and also into Torna, the DLC as well, you know. The only reason that, again, it's similar for me, really, like Horizon is just too like, good. <laughs> it's just too good. And even though I probably spend more spent more time playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2, probably maybe even twice the amount of time. <laughs> um, it's just like it's Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is great. It's just not like an incredible, incredible game. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is Ukulele as well. Um, oh, yeah. That's, you know, it's so great to see you know sort of essentially a return to banjo kazooie but in a new game to be honest i there's a there's things i don't particularly like about ukulele but i almost wanted to put it on my games of the decade just because i really really 
I still really enjoyed it. And I love the fact that we've got it as a thing. Like I love the fact that it exists and that makes me, it makes me very happy to know of its existence. That game really kickstarted the sort of 3d platformer resurgence as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like things like ukulele were also quite heavily inspired or were inspiring to things like a hat in time. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love a hat in time. We talked about that, right? I think we we did. Yeah. Just in the last episode. Yeah. So we won't reiterate too much, but yeah, like ukulele definitely deserves its its mention, its honourable mm. mention. And for 2018, really easy one for me to pick. I know. I already know. Uh, you haven't told me, but I already know what your 2018 game is. Uh, and it's absolutely Celeste. <laughs> um, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> you know, like, oh my God. I am a massive, massive fanboy for Celeste. I love it so much. It's by the same person that created uh, Towerfall. And actually, originally, Celeste was made as a game jam, like a four-day... Was it really? Yeah. It was, it was, so, like, the mini... There's a mini game in Celeste uh, that you play on a, like, Pico 8, which is, like, a pretend low-scale PC mm. or low-scale computer. And that the Pico 8 actually exists as a, as a concept. <laughs> and people make games for it, even though it's not a real <laughs> computer. But you can actually... You can kind of, like, build one. It's like a... It's like a... It's like a theoretical architecture of a computer essentially with its own programming language and stuff like that and yeah the the whole of that game jam game is in celeste and you can play it in celeste as well <laughs> i didn't know that That's um awesome. i think so, so celeste that we've talked about it before i'm not going to go into crazy detail um but it was you know it was clearly very heavily influenced by another game from this decade and that was super meat boy yeah definitely um you know they're, they're very very similar but i think and i liked super meat boy but I love Celeste. It's like an order of magnitude greater than Super Meat Boy in my mind. And I think it's because, although they're both very similar in that they're very both very difficult and sort of they both have that very fast loop of like, if you die, you get to retry very quickly, which we've talked about a lot before. But I think it's just the overall aesthetic of Celeste is much more my thing. You know, I really, like, I really like the story and the characters. Uh, I really like the design. There's so much variety and it's so huge. I mean, I haven't even done any of the DLC, which they released, which added like another 100 levels on top. And then our seaside as well. There's the seaside. There always was the seaside. There's always like a, like a secret. I, I didn't even realize that. But I did. I think I did all of the B-side or almost all of the B-sides. That's impressive because they're hard. They are really hard. I don't know if I did all of them. I feel like I probably didn't. But I definitely didn't do any of the seasides. And yeah, I, I mean, I don't think this is a, a surprising choice, but, you know, it's, it's also in a lot of other games of the decade lists. But the final thing also is that the music is incredible. Yeah, of course. You've got to, you've um, got to talk about the music in Celeste. Like, it's Selena Rain who did it and some truly, truly fantastic music, um, stuff that is on my Spotify, you know, in my playlists um, all over the place. Like, really, really incredible. Just everything about celeste is is wonderful it's a wonderful wonderful game uh, just yeah i really really even though it's punishing and it's cruel in how difficult it is that is the only thing that detracts from it and i and i don't care because being able to experience the aesthetic and the art and the style yeah. and the music is just it's just a wonderful the the cha- a challenging game that is a vehicle for a wonderful you know world if you like hundred uh, percent yeah. yeah it's a wonderful game that everyone should pick up and it's on absolutely pretty much every console now I think yep, as well so it like it's really easy to pick up and it's pretty cheap I think it's what like ten fifteen quid yeah it's so yeah like if you haven't played it. It, you owe it to yourself to play this game absolutely even if you just play the main storyline and don't even try the harder difficulty levels just that alone is going to be worth your time yeah definitely you don't you really don't need to the main levels are like 
hard, but the difficulty is good. Like it's a good challenge. And the more you do it, you get better at it. Um, and it's not just like an impossible difficulty I mean, curve. I mean, the game design is perfect. Like yes. these levels have been play tested to death to yeah. make them just right, to be challenging, but also more than enough to do it in multiple ways. Like you see some of the uh, the, the TAS runs, like the tool assisted speed runs of things. And it just does things that you would never even think of being able to mm. possibly do. But you still can if you're good enough to do things yeah. like that. But if you want to do it a more traditional route, then obviously the game levels are designed so that you can. Exactly. And I think that actually the game is at almost at its best when you just play through the main levels, because that is where it's truly, the polish is truly there. And the B-side levels are great as well, but they are just like, it is. It's, some of them are just punishing. And it's like, you've just got to practice and you can get it if you keep practicing. But there's a certain you've got to be a certain type of person uh, yeah. to, to, to get that um but yeah it's it's a wonderful game 100 percent deserves on my even overall for games of the decade it's you know it, it's, it's competing for top spot 100 yeah. percent. well following a trend from the previous year moving on to another game which was also developed by a small indie team was their second major entry into the console space for me my game of 2018 is into the breach Ah, of course. Uh, this was something that we talked about both leading up to and also on its release on the show. So again, not going to go too much detail about it. But I mean, this just speaks to my love of strategy games, obviously, yet again. Uh, Into the Breach was released on the 27th of February in 2018. Uh, and I picked it up on the day. In fact, actually, it released on a day on a Friday at the LAN. Oh, yeah. It, I, I yeah, was yeah. sat in the LAN uh, with you guys and it released and I downloaded it and I started playing it there and then. I remember so that. It's, it was it was a really great way to start the LAN off. And I played Definitely. so many, so <laughs> many hours that weekend. Um, as I said, it was developed by Subset Games, whose previous work was on FTL, Faster Than Light. Uh, mm, of course. I, again, I've spoken about in great detail and length before. is just an incredible game that I've sunk so many hundreds of hours into. Uh, and it's just such a perfectly created game, in my opinion. And it is yeah. available on uh, Windows, Mac, and Switch. So if you want to get mm. it on the go, the Switch version is there for you. It's such a perfect game in when you combine both puzzle and strategy games because although it is a strategy game on the sort of surface of things like it's very similar to things like say fire emblem or final fantasy tactics in its way it's like it's a strategy grid-based turn-based game right hmm. it, it really is just a puzzle game though for the most part you're given all these puzzle pieces yeah. and those puzzle pieces keep moving around <laughs> without your control you but, and you yeah. have to try and figure out how best to not have things blow up in your face um, i know what you mean yeah especially on You're some right. of the higher difficulties you can't win quote unquote you have to just kind of make the mm. best of the situation yes um there's no way of succeeding and excelling in the harder difficulty levels really yeah so it just the game makes you feel so smart and so accomplished when you've managed to to successfully beat a mission and if you've managed to successfully complete a run it's like it's so satisfying it's such a great sense of achievement and accomplishment you're right that it is it is so much more like a puzzler than a than a turn-based strategy game and because i i did play into the breach as well definitely not as not even remotely as much as you but i think i've probably enjoyed it the most out of any turn-based strategy like i'm definitely not a turn-based strategy mm. game fan like like it's something i i actively avoid mm -hmm. because i like the look of them and then i play them and they frustrate You're me like come on hurry up, up. <laughs> it's just very very irritating but into the breach actually because it was so much like actually you're like trying to solve a puzzle more than just a turn-based strategy game for that reason i i definitely enjoy it more and it's probably like 
I enjoy it as much as I enjoy maybe Civ 6, yeah. having talked about Civ 6, which is another turn-based strategy game that like I enjoy, but also not crazily, but more so than like Fire Emblem yes. or something like that. It's just the way in which they've crafted the game to make it also basically infinitely replayable is is genius too because not only mm. can you tackle the game in any order like you don't have to go to the same islands in the same order every time you can mix and match and different islands have different sort of challenges to them and they also give you different upgrades and different sort of like weapons you can get so choosing your order in which to achieve the game is is one variation that you can add but then the fact that there are so many mechs that you can choose from in terms of full squads but also you can mix and match them too you can make your own teams up once you've unlocked them so if you want to go for like a full-on like you know range team you can if you want to go for like a really weird Mm. combination of them you know you can as well you can try some really kind of strange janky strats uh, you know, the the game just has so much customization and replayability, um, which makes it so that you can always pick it up half an hour, 45 minutes. And if you're not doing very well, whatever, reset, try a different combo, go again, you know, and you don't feel like you've wasted your time when you've done that. You still feel like you've accomplished something, you've learned something and you, you've progressed a little bit. So it's not something that you want to sink in for hours and hours and hours and then lose and feel like awful about like you would do in some other sort of like roguelike style procedural games you know Hmm. something that's also great about into the breach is like we've talked about it a couple of times before on the show like it was a game that you were most anticipating for 2018 and then when you reviewed it it was like this is one of the great this is one of the best games that you've played that's so that's quite unusual i guess you know a game that you're like looking forward to or hyped actually delivering that well you know on its promise especially an indie Mm. title where you know, it can be a bit hit and miss. Obviously, they had made FTL, which helps, but nonetheless, it's it's a great um, it's a great Octal FM story. In yeah. the sense that, like, you know, we're we're still talking about Into the Breach now. Like two years and on, we yeah. first talked about it, in, yeah, in episode thirty-two. Um, so yeah, it's a good and one. And I'm hoping that they will maybe do some form of like expansion pack, like they did with FTL, because of FTL they released mm, the yeah. advanced edition version of the game, yes, which added yeah, more yeah. ships, more missions, more encounter types, more races. I think that was something you talked about. At the time when we reviewed it, it right was, it was yeah. like it feels like it needs a bit more it does it needs um, a little bit more oomph maybe in terms of the variety of monsters and the yeah, islands yeah. you can choose i don't think it needs more mechs although i'm certainly not going to take you know say no to them but that would be for <laughs> me is just more encounters and sort of more variation in the enemy types and stuff like that yeah. but that still would i mean and that was free as well in ftl so i mean they they would charge for this and i would still buy it you know yeah. Um, honorable mentions for 2018 uh, and I definitely talked about this one on the show about how I loved it and then became really disenfranchised with that it was Battletech don't you remember me talking about Battletech oh yeah I do, uh, I do. and it's another sort of kind of turn-based uh, strategy yeah. game but this one is just not balanced in the slightest unlike Into the Breach I mm. really enjoyed it and I just wish it was better because I'd love to keep playing it but it just annoyed me so much mm. uh, yeah. and yet another turn-based strategy game was Valkyria Chronicles 4 came out in 2018 mm. as well so again you're still continuing to see the trend of my obsession with strategy games definitely definitely and I had a third one which was Celeste but we've just talked about Celeste so we don't need yeah. to go on about Celeste again um, for me 2018 there was there was a lot of stuff actually you know deep rock galactic yeah. we've talked about before great game um definitely up there for my games of the decade forza horizon 4 you know into, into was released in 2018 as well we've already talked about forza horizon so i didn't want to include it more than once but that whole series is like a series of the decade for me because i think it's such a significant um set mm-hmm. of games as we've talked about already smash brothers Ultimate. yeah it was hard not to include that like <laughs> 
it's like a crazy one that like there's such an amazing smash brothers game best one ever um it shows how strong the year was that that isn't either of our like game of the I think year the only reason <laughs> like, i didn't choose it even as an honorable mention is to me smash bros doesn't feel like a game of a year it just feels like a game that's kind of devoid of time like it's just i know it's, it's like gonna a, go on forever again, it's like now. a series of the decade yeah. it's a series of all time isn't it really? like, like, like ultimate specifically is never going to not be an important game now in my opinion like, yeah. it will just forever it's definitely supplanted Absolutely. in my opinion melee is like the game the smash bros oh, yeah. game to play 100 percent, and also greece as well yeah. which we've not really talked about much on the show um but uh, yeah that was a great game you know it, it's a little bit kind of like it's it's, again, it shows how strong 2018 was that something that is as beautiful and as charming as Greece isn't isn't on my <laughs> list, you know, to actually talk about kind of thing. But moving on to 2019, uh, what mm. did you end up going with? I I really struggled with this, but and I think my choice, this is probably my most controversial choice. I'm quite glad about it. <laughs> and that is uh, Pokemon Sword and Shields. Oh, that is controversial. Like, the further away I get from having finished playing it, the more I'm like, damn, that was actually a really good game and a really good Pokemon game. And there's a lot to really like about it. Uh, and I know that people, the Pokemon franchise is, is basically just like, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a little bit of a mess right now. And it's a little bit of a, like, it's just controversy filled. It's like Pokemon is, the, the world of Pokemon is going through its own like Gamergate right now of like, people hating on Game Freak, people mm. hating on Pokemon as a whole. It's like, that is like the thing to do, you know? And I disagree with pretty much all mm. of it. I think that it's the most fun I've had with a Pokemon game for a long, long time. When I think about the other ones and they were on my shortlist of games to think about for the decade, and I was like, damn, none of them belong anywhere near mm. my, my top list. You know, like they were sure some of them were kind of fun um, but not very like, memorable though no not even rem- I, I struggle to even like work out which ones are which in my mind like if i'm like okay which one was x and y which yeah. one was sun and moon which one's black and white which one's you know it's like no no and it's i've just had so much fun with it and you know they've just announced the expansion pass as well which i know has also made a lot of people very yeah, grumpy. It really has. <laughs> like it really has but i'm like damn that's great i really don't want to play like another pokemon game to experience more pokemon i don't want to do the like platinum or yeah, you know I, black I two white two like i had so done with that i would much great give me more content in sword of shield i will be very happy to go back and reopen sword and shield and be like great i'm gonna play more of this like i'm looking forward to being able to play it again like i'm absolutely 100 mm. percent going to pick it up i know i'm going to have loads of fun with it and yeah it just it really held my attention in a way that pokemon just hasn't as much you know in the past not since the days of like gold and silver or diamond and pearl mm. uh you know they removed a lot of frustration you know there's no like endless wild encounters like the fact that you can avoid wild encounters is like number one <laughs> like number one reason to play no more Zubats. yeah no more Zubats. Yeah, I just, it was really good. And, you know, I, I think that it's the game I'm going to be like, yeah, 2019, that's the, that's the memorable one. I'm going to, I'm going to get my honorable mentions in for 2019 now, um, because there were some other really strong ones for 2019 and my, my cheat, this would have been my, <laughs> my like game of 2019, except that it wasn't out in 2019 really. And that's Hellblade, yeah. um, which we've talked about a lot, you know, that could be my game of the decade. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it had a very profound impact on you. Massive impact on me. Um, there's been a lot of announcements from Ninja Theory of like new games they're making. I am immensely like 
excited and sort of proud of them if if that's the right phrase because they are really doubling down on the like exploring mental health issues with mm. video games and by getting bought by Microsoft they're they're basically it's basically given them like carte blanche to go ahead and do yeah. that so if you go and have a look around at the some of the recent announcements they've announced like the sequel to Hellblades there's also like some like VR stuff that they're working on and it looks really incredible so I'm very we are going to see some huge things from Ninja Theory um over the next couple of years it's quite um, exciting about the Microsoft thing as well because I yeah. think traditionally Microsoft give such a, a long leash to people that work with them and yeah. that they can kind of do what they want with kind of infinite money as well yeah so exactly. you know it, it would mean that they can really be that experimental kind of weird cool yeah. developer to explore new avenues of gaming absolutely and it looks like they are absolutely going for that so i i, I wrestled with myself to not say it was my my you know game of 2019 mm. and then there's a couple of other ones with and they're both zelda games uh Link's awakening on switch we've talked about loved it and uh cadence of hyrule as mm. well it's actually really really fun it's a great fun game. like i feel like maybe just for me personally it was like a something i that passed me by at first and then i realized oh maybe actually that would be good and i picked it up and i wasn't expecting much and i even though i knew that it was like critically rated i was like i don't think this is going to be for me i think maybe i sort of thought i don't know if i want to see zelda which is a franchise i love so much be like taken down this very like strange indie path. route yeah and but so I was a little bit like prejudiced, I guess, towards it. Yeah, in that for sense. sure. That, that was I, I was wrong. I was very wrong. Happily it's an to exceptional admit you're game. Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, very happy to admit. So yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, a, a very a year of of stuff that I'm quite passionate about now that I think about it. And yeah, that's uh, it was a great way to round off the decade with those games for sure. And for me, the final game of this list only really one game dominated for me in 2019 mm. like mm. i played some great games in 2019 but none of them really came out in 2019 yeah. um and i spent a lot of time playing older games and replaying some other games and stuff like that but only one real game and this is obvious for anyone that's listened to the podcast before is what i'm going to pick uh in 2019 that's just dominated everything i've ever been looking forward to and since playing it and that's death stranding absolutely um i know people are very divisive still on death stranding um mm. people are not sure whether it's good or bad or nothing in between but in my opinion that just adds even further to its accomplishments of like it makes people think it makes people question it if it's making people talk about the game and it's doing something right like regardless of whether yeah. you think it's good or not uh so it was released quite late this year it was only released uh, in the 8th of november it was developed by Kojima Productions as mm. their first game to be released since their departure from Konami. Mm. Yep. And it is available on PS4 and it is due to come out on PC in summer 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really good. Pre-orders are now available on Steam. Um, I've already got it on PS4. Obviously, I couldn't wait to play it on PC. I'm sure it's going to yeah. be amazing on PC because one of the things that I haven't had the opportunity to do yet is to play Death Stranding on a PS4 Pro, which I believe makes a beautiful game look even more incredible. Mm, I can um, imagine. Because the game is using the Decima engine, as we talked about earlier on Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn. In yeah, fact, I nearly spoiled this. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is some sort of like fan theorying that they've been the same universe um, because there's, there's a lot of similarities between Death Stranding and Horizon Zero Dawn in terms of their... their uh, they, I'm not going to spoil this plot. Actually, never mind. But there's, there's a lot also, of... 
Aren't there also some like Easter eggs as well? Yeah, like, there's, like... you can have like the, some of the large like monsters, and there are some of the characters like Aloy in Death Stranding as like holograms yeah. and stuff like that. But <laughs> it very Death Stranding could very much be sort of like the weird prequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, sort right? Of. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's probably not. But <laughs> you can see some of the similarities there. Anyway, mm, mm. Um, it's such a strange game. It's such a weird game, but I love it to bits. But I think anyone who is even remotely interested in either Kojima or different style of video games, like a very strange genre of video games, should definitely pick it up. It feels to me like he's really accomplished what he set out to do with Metal Gear Solid Five, as I spoke about already, which right. is he's really managed to get that idea of that episodic binge watch TV feel to it. Right. Um, like even though the game is one linear story, it very much is cut up into kind of individual arcs, much mm. like a Netflix series would be. Yeah. Uh, and that's what he wants to do with, with five, that's like cool. I said, and yeah, yeah. he's really accomplished it with Death Stranding in my opinion. And then just not even to talk about from a gameplay point of view which is is so much fun like how basically a fetch quest game can be so enjoyable is, yeah. <laughs> is unreal to me but it's just incredible and it's do you gr- think it sort of great- draws on some of the stuff we talked about when we talked about life sims you know we were talking about that kind of like repeating hook mm. and sort of like re- you know recurring pattern of playing the game and you sort of like you say like a little bit like draws in from that kind of style of like gameplay loop and sort of addiction loop mm. and then also like like you say like tv and like mm-hmm. binge watching tv shows and then the fact that it is just ultimately fetch quests but like it turns it into that like rewarding loop i guess well th- it's so perfectly done for the rewarding loop because every time you do it it gets a little bit easier because you unlock more mm. weapons and you unlock more vehicles and you unlock the ability to build the roads and that things it makes it a little bit easier each time so you keep on playing that bit more to see how much easier can i get this delivery done next time you know mm. it's so perfectly crafted to hook you in and keep you playing but yeah. then it doesn't also you know forego its story or its character this really interesting deep game with so much nuance with its story you know and i don't want to spoil anything for people because you should play it as blind as you possibly can in my Mm. opinion uh don't even look at trailers like if you can help it like i did and i I, they don't spoil too much but they still spoil a little bit uh yeah (laughs) you know play this game blind and you will be hooked in my opinion i know some people go into the game and expect what it isn't like i think people maybe expected more of an action heavy game like metal gear which it just isn't um the action in the game is very subdued by comparison uh so go into it with the mindset of i'm gonna sit down into a podcast for half an hour as opposed to go into (laughs) it i'm gonna blast metal music and you know kill people you know it's very different style of game to that but it's just as rewarding as any other game you will ever play in my opinion nice my honourable mentions for 2019 go to yet another strategy game, which was Wargroove. That came oh, out yeah. this year. Uh, in fact, the new expansions have just come out, uh, adding new leaders and new races, which is awesome, which is basically what you're going to want from these sorts of games. Yeah, um, definitely. Yoshi's Crafted World, uh, very oh, yeah. rocky game, but it's still definitely one that I still remember quite fondly. Uh, I, I just wish it was a little harder, honestly. That's my only gripe with that one. Yeah. And Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, because oh, yeah. that one just doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion. But I think mm. a lot of people look at it and see anime game, ignore if you're not into the anime genre. Yes. But, I mean, it's such, an, it's such a perfect 
so a crystallization i suppose of the metroidvania game right if you yeah, want yeah. the metroidvania experience it used to be you played symphony of the nights right well yeah. no you you don't need to play like a 20 old 20 year old game on a playstation emulator anymore you can play bloodstained ritual of the night and it's just this perfect crystallization of exactly what makes that game so incredible so nice. and it's still a little expensive unfortunately i, I think it needs to be a, a tad cheaper but it's it is worth it if you pick it up at full price but if you if you pick it up on sale that's when to get it in my opinion nice you know what that's not even been remotely on my radar probably for the reasons that you just described which mm-hmm. is i probably just dismissed it from a visual point of view but now you've said it i'm like yeah actually that sounds like something i should be keeping an eye on the price of to if, see if, yeah, I can, if, you, if know, you, you liked things like the the ds castlevania games like yeah. um new dawn order of ecclesia those sorts of things or, or if you liked the metroid games the 2d metroid games you know things like zero mission uh super metroid and fusion it's just the perfect combination of those two those types of games it is the metroidvania game nice i mean i know that it's also on switch and it had a lot of problems on switch i don't know if they've uh fixed them in, no, i know sure, that there's been lots of patching but i remember reading that's what i do remember about this game which is oh. <laughs> on switch it's like it was really bad oh, no. um so hopefully maybe they've fixed that or maybe i can wait until they've fixed that and then pick it up on switch mm-hmm um cool that rounds us out really like that is a lot of games and we know this is an incredibly long bumper episode so we hope you've bared with us and you've enjoyed what Mm. we've had to say um if you wanted to talk about any other games maybe give a give more attention to some of our honorable mentions then please do let us know and we will certainly do Mm. a a kind of extended like uh addendum episode as it were Mm, Um, or if there's anything that you think we missed out like any games from the decade that we didn't talk about that you expected us to mention or like how could you miss out this particular one you know like (laughs) how on earth could you could you miss out like the fantastic games that was like super mario party 10 (laughs) how could we do that oh my god i know right you know let us know about those two and we will definitely mention some of the ones that we've missed out on the next show definitely uh send us a email show at octal.fm or send us a tweet at OctalFM on Twitter or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash OctalFM. And don't forget to like and subscribe, you know, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe to us. If you're listening and you've not subscribed to us yet, then please do. You should be able to. We're on everything. So you can come find us on Google, Spotify, iTunes, whatever you're on. If we're not on the app that you use, then tell us and we will get it. That's yeah. sorted post haste. And but I, I think you've reviewed really much can as well, because that really helps Definitely. promote the podcast. It gets more people listening. Um, makes a huge difference any promotion you can do on our behalf is a very 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 gratefully received and have we still got stickers available we do still have plenty of stickers Uh, i consider it an inexhaustible supply so (laughs) if you if you do subscribe or leave a review or contact us then let us know we'll send you some stickers as well yeah for Um, sure and yeah in the i'm i know all i want to do now is go and play all play the some games of these games talked yeah. about. like <laughs> i just I, I like i'm thinking about them and i'm like damn they were so it's good. been a hell of a decade for gaming it definitely has it definitely has and uh, yeah in the meantime i've been gelada and i've been sephron and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon Sorry, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, um, I was going to say something. Um, oh, go on. Say it. Was, yeah, I know. And then I like, I like half paused, didn't I? Um, what was? Oh, now no, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. <laughs>